0: Hello and welcome to the Religions Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Gardner. It's good to be back again. It's been a long time. We've got a great interview in store for you today. I'm excited about that interview. It's a podcast that, well, I interviewed Jordan Thompson, who's a good family friend and a scuba diver. So we're going to learn about, a little bit about pressure and uh, what things are like underneath the water from him today. Before we get to that interview, however, I would like to take a few minutes to prepare your minds for today's episode. I was listening to a podcast a couple of years ago that, uh, well, it really frustrated me. It bothered me as an educator and as a lover of science. The podcast was an interview with someone who was convinced that the earth that we know and live on is not spherical as we've been taught to believe after all these years of scientific research and study. and But he instead believed that the earth is flat. So the, the person interviewed on this podcast unrolled What he claims was an elaborate hoax in which he said that uh, the powers that be are are holding us from greater knowledge by keeping us from understanding that the world is really flat. Now, normally I don't give, you know, conspiracy theories much of my brain time, but I did to this one because I hoped to learn something from him, because it had been something that I noticed when I was teaching that a lot of people were, were believing that the earth's flat, believing that we didn't really go to the moon, believing that a lot of these things were hoaxes, elaborate hoaxes. And so I wanted to learn from this person being interviewed, what is it exactly that had him believing that the earth is flat? Because the earth that I see and the evidence that I see points the other direction to me. So, and I kind of wanted to know if, if he was one of those, how, how shall I put this? You know, the, the types that think, that they'll try to convince you that the world is, is um, trying to manipulate and use you and in, in saying that, they're doing the same thing to you? And so I wanted to find out, is, is he one of those? But no, actually, I became convinced pretty quickly that he really believed that the world is flat. And that the governments of all the nations on the outside edge of the flat earth are collaborating in a scheme to keep us from discovering the outer edges of the earth. So, anyway, that being said, um, I obviously disagree with the man for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons that he gave... And he used the word nonsense a lot um, when talking about the different reasons that we believe the earth is is round. He said, Oh, that's nonsense. And uh, he used that term enough that I started thinking about Princess Bride. There's a a phrase in there. You keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. I kind of thought that of him. It's like, I don't think you know what nonsense means. But anyway, the reason, one of the reasons he gave, and this is, I'll just talk about one today because it was very interesting to me, um, and it ties in with what we're going to talk about today. He said that if an airplane, airplane's flying, that proves that the world's flat, because if an airplane was to fly and the world was spherical, the airplane would fly right off the earth. So I thought, okay. I started thinking, boy, if he had been one of my, my students in middle school or high school science, I I would have felt like I, well, like I failed him, um, because I'm thinking to myself, gosh, there's so many reasons why, why that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> What's my first thought? Like, well, how can you really think that? But I thought, you know, that's actually from a certain standpoint and a certain understanding, that's a very logical thing to think. Yeah, it would fly right off. You're right. If uh, if, if you've got something on a sphere, and then you go in a straight line, then you leave the sphere. Because as you get away from the, the point of closest approach, you can't get any closer, and you're you're going to get farther away from the surface of the sphere. That, that makes sense, right? But anyway, um, so I want to take just a second, and I want you, so I'm going to pause, and actually, I'm not going to pause for very long, but there's this magic feature on technology where you can pause. So please feel free to pause me and stop and think for a minute about what reasons you know as to why that wouldn't work. Or maybe you're one of those that doesn't have any reasons why that wouldn't work, and you think that's how it is, that an airplane would just fly off the earth. So anyway, think about that for a minute, and we'll get right back to it. Okay, so I'm back. Now hopefully you came up with a few reasons to whatever you believe, whether you believe that the airplane would stay on the earth or if it would fly straight off, if it's in fact a spherical earth. But, um, whatever your reasons are, let me tell you now my reasons for believing what I believe. And then of course you have the opportunity to choose whether you believe what I, what I'm telling you, or you believe what this other individual thought. Now I will also post that podcast if, you know, if you're interested and, uh, because, like I say, this is a growing belief uh, in the United States and in the world that the, the Earth is, in fact, a flat planet. And not just, I mean, the guy on this interview was very much, uh, well, he was kind of mystical in his reasoning. And he talked about how the sun works. And And anyway, it was, I'll let you listen to it if you choose to. You don't have to, but uh, obviously you can. Uh, but there are those who are religious um, who have who are Christians who believe, well, the Bible says this in, in Isaiah that, you know, talks about the earth and it in a flat way. And 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 I'll interject here, you know, if I'm reading the book of Genesis, that sounds like an inverted snow globe, you know, where the there's liquid all around us, and there's this magical globe that we live in that's protecting us from all this, and the earth is flat. That's the way it's described in Genesis. That was the worldview of the people at the time, so. I I have no problem reading Genesis and still believing that the world is is spherical because I understand that the people back then thought it was flat. And if God's going to communicate to them, he's going to use their language and their understanding to do it. He's not going to tell them, hey, the earth is round. We got to get that here first before I teach you anything about how you're supposed to behave. Um, That's not how he works. It's not how he has ever worked, thankfully, or we wouldn't have any scriptures or anything to learn from because we'd have to understand everything else first before we could learn what he wants us to learn, which is actually more how to deal with each other, right? That's the whole point. But anyway, I digress. So, so back to this, the reason why I don't believe that the airplane would fly straight off the surface of the earth. So I want you to think, imagine you're in a, in a library, and you stack up a bunch of books on a table. Now, it's pretty easy to understand. If you want to get the book off that's easiest to remove, it's going to be that top book. Now, the book on the bottom of the stack, say there's like 15 books in the stack. The book on the bottom of that stack is going to be really hard to remove because it has the weight of all the books on top of it resting on it. Well, this earth has a lot of air, and the air that's on the earth is a lot like those books. The air particles on the very top are the ones that are easiest to remove. If some of them are gonna slough off into space, it's gonna be the ones at the very top of the atmosphere. The ones at the very bottom are held there by all the ones that are on top of them. So think about that. That's what we call pressure. Now, when an airplane is flying, it's gonna be flying, let's say, we go back to our stack of books, say there's 15 books there. Let's say it flies at 35,000 feet. Let's say that's 10 books high in our analogy. That's the pressure that it's going to fly at. There'll be a certain pressure there, not as much as there is at the bottom of the stack because there's only five books up above it, right? So it's going to have a certain amount of pressure, less than it would on the surface of the earth, but nevertheless, it's going to stay at that pressure because at that point where it's flying, the pressures involved above and beneath the wing are at a certain point, and it's going to stay pretty much where that pressure is equalized, right? Now, there's even an easier reason why it's not going to fly off the earth. One, why would a pilot let it fly off the earth? right? It's, we're not going to just fly off the Earth if they could. But they can't. And the reason they can't is, by the time they get up even higher, they get to where there's not enough air pressure for them to create the lift they need to keep their airplane up. They can't leave the planet Earth, because by the time they get to where the pressure is so thin, or the air is so thin, that it can't uphold the wings. There, there's not enough air pressure to create the lift necessary on the wing. And so it can't leave the Earth because well, there's no pressure up there for it. Well, anyway, that's my simple reasoning, my simple reason for the day as to why the earth is a sphere. But we'll, we'll get to more reasons later on, I'm sure, because like I said, that that interview really left me thinking, wow, how how much he's missing out on, I guess was my thought. It's like, he, he really he really thinks this is how it is, and I disagree with him completely. But now I want you to stop, and and I want to stop in the spirit of what we do here at Religions and just say, you know what? I don't hold anything against him. He's, He's understanding what he understands because of what he's learned. And I think there's a lot that he hasn't learned, and I feel that I have learned some things that he doesn't know. But what if I'm wrong? How will we know who we can trust when it comes to making, or when it comes to what we want to keep in our knowledge set? That's one of the biggest decisions we make in our educational lives or in our lives in, in learning is who do we trust with information? And I, I said that backwards. Who do we trust to give us our information? And how do we pick those people? So I want you to think about that. And one of the things I, I like to choose to do is to go to people who are original sources, people who have tried the thing that I'm learning about or who are experts in a way that, you know, they've played with it. They understand it. And that's why today we have the wonderful opportunity to hear from Jordan Thompson a little bit about scuba diving. So we'll learn about pressure under the water. Same kind of principle applies as it does in the atmosphere. And there are some differences and we'll talk about some of those. So I'm excited to have our interview today with Jordan Thompson with no more waiting. Here we go. And welcome to our interview. We've got with us a guest, Jordan Thompson and, uh, Welcome, Jordan. Howdy, howdy. How you doing today? It's pretty good. I'm excited to be on the podcast. So give <laughs> or right. take just a second, if you would, and tell us about yourself.
1: Well, um, I'm Jordan Thompson, and um, so this is kind of awkward, or not awkward. Oh, what's the word? I guess um, I guess more confusing. I guess
0: you don't want to talk about yourself. <laughs> no,
1: <it? laughs> no. I'm just trying to figure out how, to, uh, how to start this off. I mean, I'm from Arkansas, and I moved to Idaho. It's just kind of a, kind of a funny way to start. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just uh, funny how I moved from Arkansas to Idaho and then I'm on a podcast. It's pretty great. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Some more personal stuff, I guess, is I'm obsessed with the color purple, preferably dark. Um, I love water, drinking, and swimming in, playing video games and welding. Speaking of welding, I studied welding and and I graduated with three different certificates. Some hobbies are, yes, um, some of my hobbies are video games and welding as well. And um, you know, my favorite hobby and it's probably something I'll always love, it's uh scuba
0: diving. Awesome. Well yeah. and I got to know you through through video games, yeah. even though I don't video game, but yeah. my family does. So so it's, I got to know you through my family, which it's is a very interesting cool. story how that came out. It but, is. Yeah. So well, we're glad to have you here and actually scuba diving is uh Is going to be probably the thing that ties into the topic I want to talk about today, which is pressure. So, tell us, tell us a little bit about scuba diving.
1: Well, scuba diving. Let's see. Um, So, scuba diving it started back in. Well, the short answer is 1943. But underwater diving existed back into the 1500s, and even in 4 BC, Aristotle was thinking about it. Like he just, um, I don't remember what he said, but he was just, he put that out there that
0: you know diving was a thing. And he had a the, way to breathe underwater back then. Well, I
1: wouldn't, I don't know if it was um, like you breathing under Robin Hood with
0: the reed. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: no, I think it was more of like a, what I'm fixing to talk about, and that's um, like in the 1500s, they had diving bells. And so, a diving bell is just a really big container um, that and it just happens to be shaped like a bell. And this was back when, like, pirates and all that good stuff they would drop the bell into the water uh-huh. and they dropped it um, flat. So the air would be contained. Oh. Like if you took a took a cup and put it upside down into right. a uh, like a bathtub, I guess. Sure, it, there's that right. air in there. And the air pocket. And so they would drop that down to whatever the depth they wanted to um, be diving at. And so they would hold their breath. They would go into the um, uh, diving bell and they'd hold their breath, or well, they take a deep breath in, and they'd hold their breath and dive out. And technically, this is a sort of diving. It's called free diving. that's still done today it's mainly with um you have you literally like your gear is some clothes and your fins we don't call them flippers we call them fins okay and so you would take and this called free diving it's just you're holding your breath going down you can go as deep as you want and come up and it's all in the same breath of air but awesome the um so the reason scuba diving so scuba is an acronym it's um, self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Okay. So, scuba diving itself, scuba, what didn't come out till, let's see, 40, 43, and and that was just the um, tank and the um, regulator. The regulator is what you that we breathe out of, and so that didn't come out till um, 1943, and so. We didn't have a way to... I guess the best thing I should explain is a buoyancy compensator. Some, it was a buoyancy compensator device. It is sometimes shortened to BC or BCD. huh. And so the first BC, it's more like its older brother. It was called an adjustable buoyancy life jacket. And so it was pretty much like a life jacket. And we could control how much air is in it, how much air we like put in, how much air we put out. Okay. And um, that helps us with our buoyancy,
0: right? So you know, buoyancy compensating device. Because your tendency is to float when you when you're breathing, yes. especially. Your yeah, because of flo- our lungs. Yeah,
1: totally. And um, so the adjustable buoyancy life jacket came out in 1961, and you know it's um, not predecessor. What's the opposite of a predecessor? Um, uh,
0: Antis, uh, what comes after? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, the, the, anyways, the Anyways, that came follows, after, uh, yeah, there's a word for that, I don't remember.
1: Anyways, the name got changed from Adjustable Buoyancy Life Jacket to the Buoyancy Compensator Device, and that got changed to 1971. So, the modern suit, uh, gear we use, didn't all come together until 1961, okay. but... So, it's fairly recent. Yeah, um, but like, diving has always been there, Um and so, the main reason for um, diving was mostly, obviously, for money because, like, because um, of all these like sunken ships, like the Spanish galleons and all those good oh, stuff. Oh sure, find treasure. Yeah, like with, and they'd sink with, you know, tons of gold and silver and stuff because. So know, part of
0: the you said pi- back in pirate times. Yeah, so, exactly. So pirates would use the diving bell to and to get. To try to find treasure underwater. Yeah, yeah. and so the they ships. would
1: go like that was the main um, reason they wanted to do diving was salvaging, and oh, that's they'd. That's cool. Yeah, and then um, I don't remember what happened. Those diving but, bells had to be heavy, I bet. Oh, they were. I mean, yeah, they were. Otherwise, they wouldn't hold much air because yeah. They were they were huge and they had to be you know thick steel or well iron or whatever they were made of back in the day, because uh-huh. they would drop them down to you know like about right off the right off the bottom, because wow. if you were going to be on the bottom. You didn't want to be like, half your air at the surface and then go back down. Have to swim, waste right, all that air. Right. No kidding. You know, getting back down there just to, you know, just to come back up. So you'd have sure. that um, pressure on that um, that diving bell. Let's see. I guess we can get into the person who invented it and in, um, who. In, well, oh, the yeah. people? Just two guys. It was. I'm totally gonna butcher their names because they. I'm assuming French. I don't know. It was Jacques Cousteau
0: and Jacques Jean- Cousteau. Yeah, and Emile Gagnon. <laughs> I'm trying to speak French. Whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's
1: okay. They invented,
0: uh, you know,
1: regulator and tank. Okay. But Finzi, which was bought out by Honeywell, they created the first BCD, which is the buoyancy compensator. And then Scuba Pro, which is a um, common scuba company now, they changed the name from the um, adjustable life jacket to um, the BC, your buoyancy compensator device. And that was in 1971. So, oh,
0: wow. Yeah. That's almost my lifetime here. So, yeah, that's that's oh, really man. recent. Yep. I'm young.
1: Oh, so, okay. So, again, with motivating, the, with the motivation, there is the money side of things. And then there's those people who are, like, all for the scientific stuff. Like, yeah. And so I heard this. I don't know if it's true or not. But in some way, it kind of is. And in some ways, kind of not. So we know more about space than we do about... The ocean, and you right. gotta think ninety five. Wait, is it seventy percent or ninety five percent of Earth is covered in the ocean? I think it's seventy percent, isn't it?
0: It's probably seventy yeah, percent. Yeah, I think. Anyways, of we, the surface area, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we know um, almost nothing about um, the oceans when we know you know so much about space. And one, it's just easier. So the reason for this is because it's easier to go to space, right? Because um, you just have to build something that can hold pressure inside. Right. But with scuba diving, you have to, you know, make something that can keep pressure from crushing you.
0: Right. And opposite ap- problem. Ap- Apparent
1: yeah, apparently going to space is just you know, it's easier to do that. And so um but yeah, like there's the, the science stuff and that's that's kind of what I'm into. It's like I kinda like learning about it. Like I'm not really there for the money. Is that if that is that cool? Yeah, that'd be cool to find, you know, like a sunken ship, but you know. It's
0: whatever. Well, when you do, you'll be my best friend. Yes. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, must, I must assume so. I'd have a bunch of best friends then.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of that's kind of the history of it and why people wanted to do it. Okay. Well, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Learned a lot of new things there. I like the dining bell. That that's just fascinating to me.
1: There's some video games that bring it up. Um, Are there? Yeah. There's um, in um, a video game. It's called um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and. Um, there's actually a mission that you have to go on where they teach you how to use a diving bell and stuff like that. And it gives you not really the history, but it gives you the idea that diving bells did exist and how they were properly lo- ha- properly used. Cool. And so that is cool. It's very cool.
0: Your experience with scuba diving, what is it that you like about scuba diving? Oh, uh, what do I like scuba about diving? scuba diving?
1: Oh, there's a bunch of things I like about scuba well, diving. Well, you
0: said you like it for the science, not necessarily for finding the money. But... Right. Um, probably
1: the biggest thing I like about scuba diving... I would say it's, um, for me, it's the calmness. Because when I go scuba diving, you know, it's once you go scuba diving, you're in the depth, you know, at your depth, it's quiet. And, you know, occasionally occasionally you'll hear a boat motor, or if you're in a lake, you'll hear some fish grunting, you know, off in the distance. There is the calmness of it. And it's just like it's quiet, and it's calm. And once you get to, you know, at certain depths... So with light, it, uh, light only goes so deep. Like, the first to go out is red. And so that's why if you look oh, down into the ocean, that's why water's blue. Because if you look down...
0: Because the red can't cut through the water. Right. Big. And so, and is that because of things in the water or just the water um, itself?
1: That's just the water itself. And then, obviously, if there's, like, uh, contaminants in the water, like, um, like there's dirt or something, that obviously doesn't help either. Right, right. But um, that's why water's blue is because the blue penetrates... Pen- to- penetrates? <laughs> If I could speak English, penetrates <laughs> water the deepest. You are from Arkansas, like, you know,
0: they yeah, they don't we, speak yeah, English down there.
1: Yeah, yeah, education, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, but like the if you look at the curve of how color goes into water, it's um, it's uh, it's not linear. It's um,
0: right. The blue curve's harder, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: it uh, like significantly much more than the red. So it's not linear. It's um, not hyperbolic. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, There's a massive curve, I guess. Right. And um, so, and that's just, it's, so once you get to like just the right depth, it's kind of dark and it's calm and you kind of just hang out there. And that's just fun. And, you know, and then that's just like the main thing I like about it. It's just calm. It's quiet. And, you know, oh, but there's so much more to it. Um, Like there's so much more that I like is it's, it's customizable. Like, so occasionally this is kind of a little short story. and I'll talk about more of the story later. And, um, anyways, so, like, say I wanted to go pick up trash just off the bank. You know, I can't, you know, not, um, it's not shallow enough for me to go snorkeling. Okay. So, I'd take my gear, you know, I'd take my BC, my air tank, and I'd take, like, a mesh bag for trash or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. And a dive knife for, um, like, if I find a fishing lure, you find it all the time, fishing lures. You can cut fishing lures off rocks. And, hey, free fishing lures, yeah. Um there's so a you,
0: you are finding treasure.
1: Yeah, there's actually this one time there was um this I wasn't scuba diving, but I was, you know, I was at, ready to get scuba diving and I was looking out on this bank and there was this barber just sitting there hanging out and I looked back and it was still there and I was I walked over there and um I picked it up and it turns out it was uh, a treble hook snug on, uh, snagged on a rock. And I was like, "Wow, that could have been really bad." Anyway, so I picked it huh. up and um Took out my dive knife, cut off the excess rope, or not rope line. And I still have it. I have it in a little container, um, like with a fish tank. It's pretty cool, huh? And so yeah. So
0: do you ever? Is there ever a live fisherman that has a hook down by you? Has that ever happened?
1: Oh uh, thank goodness, no. Um, so where I've gone scuba diving, it's. They hate to snag a scuba diver. Oh, I I haven't, <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything about that, but I'm sure it's not fun. I bet um, not. So where I've gone scuba diving, it's. Um, kind of like just for scuba divers there's like no fishing allowed there is however a fishing or not a fish uh a boat dock like where you can drop your boat off but like they're not allowed to fish in a certain area oh okay makes sense And so yeah but like say that's like that's when i'd want to go pick uh you know pick up trash but if i wanted to go see a wreck at like 100 feet i would you know probably put a dry suit on especially up in there up here in idaho man that's cold water um, we do have some cold water yeah. around here. Yeah. Yeah. We came up here or uh, I came back up here in July and we went diving and oh, out vineyard Lake. Yeah. yeah, It was, well, that like is a, a cold 90 water something degrees, but in the water it was like 50 something. Yeah. That was a little bit chilly. Yeah. I was there in <laughs> a t-shirt and shorts, you know, swim shorts. And that was, I wish I would have had something more than that, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, that's like, not
0: even our coldest. lake. that's a, that's from the aquifer as opposed to like from snow melt off. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, that's, yeah, so like, I bet that was cold.
1: So yeah, but like with the you want to go see a, like a wreck down at hundred feet. That like your gear bag changes completely. Like it would go from you know, like a wetsuit and then a dive knife to a dry suit, a uh, flashlight and some camera, like a camera to take some pics. So a dry know?
0: suit keeps you dry while you're. Diving yeah, down.
1: like it. Um, so, so it's watertight. Yes, there's seals around your neck and your wrists, and it's usually your boots are like usually connected. And that's to so keep you sell. warm then. Yeah, because air is a better so to, at a point, air is a better insulator than water. Oh, so sure. with a wetsuit, a wetsuit is like a like a sponge, pretty much. It pulls in water and it keeps a layer of water on your body, and your body. Heat, oh, it insulates heats up that you with water, that. Okay. And it kind of just like that uh, water that you heat, that's your body heated up, keeps you warm, and yeah. Okay. But to a point where like water is at like thirty two degrees, where you're freezing, that point of. Like that water keeping you warm is just that's not gonna, it just doesn't work anymore because that sure. water um, would that cold water just take that heat right out of you even if it's oh yeah
0: you know. I can I can imagine and so that's why you're here we come
1: yeah oh yeah yeah your gear bag changes completely depending on the dive you go in that's what I love about it, on the same dive maybe you just want to see something a little bit different like and you just need a flashlight so, like um, I guess the story was so there's this scuba park at a dive. Or, out of a lake i dive at, and, um, like, they have sunken ships. Well, I'll say ships. It's more of, like, sailboats and cars and stuff like that. Sure. And so, like, if you wanted to go, you know, to see the outsides, you wouldn't think about taking your flashlight. But say you wanted to go look inside this triple-decker houseboat, you'd need to take your flashlight, and you can look around in there and see all the cool stuff and things. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's the... Um, what huh. I like about it is like it's it's so customizable. It really is.
0: Is it? Does it feel a little bit like you're entering a different world? When you're oh yes. Diving.
1: Like so, you see, like it's honestly it is and like it's like once you're above the water and then you go under the water, it's completely different. There is barely any huh. sound, but like there's just so much more to see, and that's cool. It it really is. Like even snorkeling, if you just you know put your head in the water and just look, it's just like it, the world changes. It's like a completely—it's literally the underwater world.
0: It's completely different. You talked a little bit about how, well, it's very—it's a fairly recent thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess they had diving bells and, and things back several hundred years ago or a couple hundred years ago, but um, it being this recent, um, there must be challenges that they had to overcome to do this. So, oh yeah. So what are the uh, what is what's challenging about scuba diving? So what, what keeps um, us from having invented it, you know, a thousand years ago?
1: Well, one of the main reasons it wasn't designed since till recently is because they didn't have the technology of um, we couldn't compress air into the size we can now back in their day. Gotcha. So that's okay. why
0: it took so long for. So your tanks are compressed air, not just. Yeah, it's not because
1: if it was just um, equalized air, like say we took a balloon and you like breathe in a couple deep breaths of air uh-huh. And you started going down. That you know, couple deep breaths would shrink to maybe just a breath to barely a gasp of air. So and the so, amount
0: of oxygen you can hold in your lungs changes as yes. you go down because and of with the pressure. Free diving,
1: yeah. oh, and with freediving, cool. yeah, oh, with freediving, like the your air, like your lungs, like um, shrink or not necessarily shrink, but the air inside your lungs get denser, gets denser,
0: and So, so there's more oxygen in your lungs while you're underwater than there is when you're out. At normal pressure, then that's what you're saying. Um,
1: right? no, not really. the The amount of air, amount of oxygen, doesn't change because
0: the percentage would be the same.
1: The percentage would be the same. Yes. Okay. There are mixes of scuba diving air. It's called um, nitrox, where you get a little bit more percentage of oxygen, and that just helps with um, decompression sickness and stuff like that. That's what air goes into our tanks. If we just asked for air, we would get 80% nitrogen and 20% oxygen. But say we get into technical diving where they're going you know, 3,000 feet deep, you wouldn't want that much nitrogen in your system because nitrogen at depth will go into your body tissues, like your muscles and joints and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. And say you have an emergency and you need to come up a lot faster than you oh. would if there wasn't an emergency.
0: Then you've got nitrogen in you.
1: And then that nitrogen in your body will start um, coming out of solution and turning back into nitrogen gas, which could end up in your bloodstream and your heart, and that's not good. Air in your bloodstream's not good, and then, then it could result in air being in your joints and that's one thing you know about decompression sickness like that's how, that's a symptom of it is your, like your uh, joints will start hurting like you don't uh, do a decompression stop, which is something that even if we so we have a limits
0: of so that's where you change pressure gradually? Yes. So We'll stop at a certain pressure and equalize for a minute. Or actually, em- so minutes. you can go down as
1: fast as you want. It's not necessarily the safest, but you can do it. Okay. Your body can handle it to a point like pressure
0: increase isn't a problem.
1: Um, so like if you go from like sea level to a thousand feet deep, yeah, you're gonna get hurt. How long it would take to like so like to zero to a thousand feet deep instantly, your lungs would um, collapse. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, like good. Or, well, implode, more like, because the air inside your lungs is um, equalized to sea level air. And then if you're you know, one second at sea level air, and then at you know the next second you're at a thousand feet deep, like the air you'd be oh, breathing yeah. out of your scuba tank is so much massively different. Uh-huh. And so your air, like your lungs would just implode. Gotcha. Or collapse, or whatever term you want to use.
0: So instantaneously, obviously not. Yeah, but like <laughs> not possible.
1: Can, but as as long as you're breathing, okay. And so this is something I really need to say. If you ever go scuba diving without someone, like with like if you ever tried decide to go scuba diving by yourself without any training, please like don't stop breathing. I seriously suggest going with an instructor. There's I know at a dive shop back in Arkansas, you could pay fifty dollars and they'd go show you how to scuba dive in a pool.
0: Uh huh.
1: And so, it's. It is worth it, but, like, ser- just keep breathing because that's how your body equalizes the pressure as you go deeper. Makes sense. And so, because if you were to... Because
0: as the, as the pressure is changing, your your body's adjusting to it if yeah. you keep the air moving.
1: Yes. Be- that like, makes sense. And, um, So the air in your tank is also being condensed while the air in your lungs being condensed. And so as long as you keep breathing, the dense you know, like it's just swapping out between the air, and it's keeping you, you Keeps know, Keeps so your lungs they- from collapsing. Yeah. And, um... So, and then, I say that and say free divers do hold their breath. And there's a point where free divers can go so deep, and like if they go much further, their lungs will collapse. And there's nothing they can do about that. That's just how our lungs work. You can only Uh, handle so much pressure. Our lungs can only shrink so much. And so, the opposite side of that, if we were to hold our breath coming up, then our lungs would explode. Because the air that we're breathing yeah. at 100 feet is going to be quite dense. It's going to expand we, as we go yeah, up. As we, yeah, exactly. Oh, gosh. And there's there's this little practice maneuver thing, and it's the funniest thing. Or, well, I guess it's not really funny, but it's... It's in a, like in an emergency situation. It's called a CESA, controlled Emergency... Something Ascent. I don't remember what the S stood for. But anyways. <laughs> so it's called a CESA, and it's C-E-S-A, and um, it's Control Emergency Something Ascent. I don't remember what the S stood for. But... Um, so it's when, like, if your buddy's too far away. So we have this thing called sharing air. So say Steve had um, another setup like I do. So we'd we'd each have an extra regulator. And so say, say I ran out of air. I'd go over to Steve and say, like, say Steve's, you know, right next to me. I could just grab his spare air and start breathing from it. And then we'd turn the dive. But say we're 20 feet deep and you are 50 feet away. So I'm, so... Steve is 30 feet farther away than the surface is. So that's when I decide... I'm further
0: down than you.
1: Or just farther away, whichever's closer. Just, oh, okay. Like, just whatever air is closer. Gotcha. And so which if I'm 20 feet deep and you're 50 feet away from me, whether it's 50 feet deeper, 50 feet um, to my side, whichever, we do a CISA, control emergency safety, is it? I don't remember what that is for. So don't quote me on it. Anyways, so <laughs> we would... What we would do is we'd just go, ah, and as we come up, the the air is denser to a point. And so as we come up, that dense air would start to expand. Uh And so as long as we're going, uh, ah, like air could just keep coming out. And it's the funniest thing because we we would do like a simulated when we started diving. When I first started diving, we did a simulation of it. And like, so we started from 33 feet deep. And I'll tell you why that's significant in a minute is um so we started coming up from there and like you breathe in you know like a normal breath and as you start coming up it's just like you start thinking as you're doing this uh it's like i breathed like i didn't breathe in this much air like and it's just it's still coming out and then and that's just how like air density works like it just expands more it's it's science and it's cool.
0: And that is an experiment I have done is uh you go in a pool and you take a balloon and you bring it under the water and you can see that it shrinks. Yes, yes, as it, as you do that so the gas is compressing under the water.
1: Yeah. And um, It's really hard
0: to get it under the water first off, but Oh, yes, yes it is.
1: <laughs> but um yeah, it's that's that's the best way to explain huh. how your lung lo- that's like that's how the best way to explain how any um air container works like container of air would work is um with the, that balloon in the water is um and like like with your lungs if you were to take a balloon full of air um at the surface and start taking it down to a certain depth that balloon would get so small and that's pretty much what your lungs would do and then if you were to fill up a balloon at depth and start bringing it back up that air and the balloon would expand and then that's just that's the best way to
0: explain your lungs interesting so going back to this bell I mean, this is probably something you haven't had experience with, but I'm imagining if you lower the bell under, as the pressure increases, as it goes down further, the, the water line of where the water is at the bottom of the bell probably goes up into it does. the bell. Yes, And it squishes does. the air as so, it compresses.
1: That's then, cool. Yeah. It I hadn't returns, thought about that. Because yeah. it would have
0: to increase the density, otherwise it wouldn't be usable to the people that are at that depth. Yeah. Because, as you said, the, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Yes. I and then,
1: thought about that. So in the back, let's go back to the video game for a second. When they're going, starting a dive, uh-huh. the guy grabs onto the diving bell as it's sinking. That's not necessarily the smartest thing because that would be going from you know zero to a thousand feet, you know like that without hold, or while holding your breath. And so that's not necessarily the safest. the safest thing to do would to be in, would to be in the diving bell and breathing that air as it dense, like condenses. And so your body's, um, like what normal scuba diving would do, is like um, um, equalize the air inside your body okay. as you breathe. Right,
0: and as you said, keep breathing as you're going. Yes, out.
1: always, always. That's and that's just a really good thing to keep in mind is just to keep breathing all the time,
0: even if it's, it's a good rule in general. Don't yes, stop breathing because yes, <laughs> it doesn't bode well if you stop. Underwater and above. <laughs> yes, always good. Very much so. Have you? Have you learned any life lessons from scuba diving? Oh yeah, things that have uh, yes, you know. I have. So okay. many things. What's and some like, of
1: the... like we were saying? This is more of a, a physical or literal. Is the don't stop breathing? Don't stop know? breathing. Okay, and like that's in like like uh, mainly like not dying. And then there's the like say you're going to work and you're stressed and you're just like tensed up and you're just you know like and you're just think about it. Just if you just take a deep breath, you significantly calm down. Yeah, you still have that stress, but it's not as bad. So just keep breathing. And, like, say your kid moves away for two years, totally not calling out anyone. But, you know, like, there's just these moments where you start to panic and you just (laughs) need to keep breathing. So, what? It's just, that's just one of the biggest life lessons.
0: Just keep breathing. Everything will be all right. Yeah. No, that's not intended for anybody in particular.
1: And then another one is (laughs) don't wing it. Like, don't, um, so, like, if we were to wing a dive, like, saying, um, Let's, go, uh, let's just put our gear on and go diving. That could be bad because like, you could forget to fill up your air, like fill up your tank with air. Or you could be diving with the wrong air. And um, so with certain mixtures of nitrox, okay, so at 100% oxygen, if you were to breathe 100% oxygen at 20 feet deep, that's poisonous. Like you will start having seizures and like bad stuff will happen at oh, 20 really? feet deep. And so nitrox with the oxygen level, in it, it has a certain amount like, there's a certain depth you can go. Yes, you can go deeper, but after at some point, that amount of oxygen in your bloodstream will just start wreaking havoc out of nowhere. Interesting. It's just, it just has a point at depth where it'll just stop,
0: you know. And that will... Actually, it's called oxygen toxicity. Really?
1: So Interesting. Yeah.
0: So, oxygen is so an overload of, of a good thing.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like if you drank too much water in an amount of time. Like, yeah, it's good for you until you drink till too, you have much. too much of
0: it. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing there, because our Apollo astronauts, are Apollo 1, they used to put 100% oxygen in the cabins. Hmm. And they learned, well, the reason they learned not to do that is because in Apollo 1, there was a tremendous fire. fire oh, yeah, there was, wouldn't yeah. yeah, fire uh, burns extremely hot in 100% oxygen environment. Yes, it does. And they didn't think about that. And uh, so it wasn't for pressure, but for other reasons that they started to insert nitrogen into that atmosphere mm-hmm. yeah. um, to keep it from being so flammable.
1: And, um, so with, um, so oxygen is good for us to a point at certain depths, it's gets bad anyways. So if we were to suffer from decompression sickness, when we come out from the water and we're suffering from it, they would give us a hundred percent oxygen because that helps the nitrogen. As we breathe out, we expel CO2 and nitrogen. Also, people don't think about that. People like if you ask someone like, what do you exhale? They see CO2. But you're also exhaling CO2 and nitrogen and uh, what other
0: bad gases you breathe in. It makes sense because, you know, like you said, the atmosphere is 80% nitrogen anyway. And and if we don't use it, it's just going to come right back out. Yeah. Or our body would want to get rid of it because it can't use it. Right. And
1: so if we're just breathing in 100% oxygen and breathing out nitrogen, that will help with decompression sickness and stuff like that. There is more... Like there, if you are suffering from decompression sickness, you want to go to a hyperbolic chamber where they will um, condense the air that you were breathing
0: back to like you if you were at whatever depth you were. Those are some valuable lessons, and I like I like how you said don't don't wing it. So intentional yeah. planning is a good thing, not just in yes. life but in scuba diving.
1: And um, so there is a point where you can be super um, relaxed with your dive plan as long as you get. Um, like your air filled, like just the main stuff. Like your air filled, make sure all your gears working. You can go, um, like so. Me and my mom actually did this. My mom's a scuba diver as well, and so at the scuba park where I was talking about, that it's all connected up by ropes. And so okay. we had a dive plan. It's so like let's just start at this end of the rope and just follow around and go see stuff. That's how simple our dive was. Right. And and then you can get specific, so specific as. All right, I'm gonna start here at the dive. Uh, at the dive, um, oh, what's that called? The boat ramp. We're gonna start at the boat ramp, and then we're gonna follow this line and see the beetle, which is the the VW Beetle bug. Right. And so we're gonna take a line from the bug going to um, the sailboat, and then go from the sailboat to the mayhem, which is a sailboat that they dressed up to look like a pirate ship. This pirate ship That's will cool. come back up in another story we will talk about here in a second. And then we're going to go from the mayhem back to, um, uh, triple decker boats. And then we're going to keep going, you know, and we just go plan after plan after plan, you know, step after step after step of planning it. And that's how life can be like, um, so like with the, let's just start on the rope and follow it around. That can be like, okay, I want to go to college. All right. Like in real life scenarios, like I want to go to college, but like with the step by step by step, it's like, all right, I want to finish high school. I want to apply at this college, this college, this college, this college, and this college. And, um, you know, you get accepted by those colleges. I want to go to this college for this subject. I want to take this class, this class, this class, and this
0: class. Gotcha. You know, it's just like have a plan of some sort. Just don't wing it. Put some intentionality into your planning.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be the most complex thing ever. And so and you can still fun either way. Another important life lesson I've learned is to have common sense. Like, um, so I want to go dive in, we'll take that, um, shipwreck hundred feet deep. We'll okay. take that for example, again, we're not going to wear, um, you know, a uh, t-shirt and shorts and go dive that deep. No, we're going to put on, you know, at least a seven mil, uh, wetsuit on. And like I said earlier, it was most likely a dry suit to so go see it. Deeper equals colder. Is that yes. typically true? Um, okay. depending on where you go. Cause like, I know up here in Idaho, we have... Or, well, we, y'all, us, we, uh, Idaho has um, geothermic pools. And oh, so yes. at depth, uh-huh. they will be warm. That makes sense. But in other scenarios where there's no geothermic um,
0: activity, it gets colder as you go deeper. Okay. Um, so, like air in a room, people who've been in rooms, you know, you lay on the floor, that's the coldest spot in the right, room. Right. Yeah. The hot air rises. The same thing with the water.
1: Yes. And like. Um, So, of course, as we know, or at least most people know, that the center of the earth is hot. Right. Okay. So, technically, if there was a a lake or ocean deep enough that reached, you know, towards the mantle of the earth, it would start to get warm at the bottom. (laughs) It would be hot down there. But (laughs) most lakes tend to not do that. Sure. So, um, but yes, typically, as depth increases, um, water temperature um, decreases. Interesting. Makes sense. Very much so. Okay. And um and so like, like uh going diving, you're not gonna go diving 100 feet deep in shorts, and that's not you're not gonna go out in zero degree weather in shorts either. You're gonna put on a, you know, a jacket or look like the kid from Christmas Story where you can't even walk right. <laughs> that that's totally me. You know or in this I'm case it would that? be a
0: dry suit and yeah, uh, and don't I lick don't any poles while you're down there.
1: Uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> They who knows what they're covered in. All right. Anyways, <laughs> algae, <Yeah>. or something. <laughs> so that's mainly the life, the life lessons I've really learned from it.
0: Um, and those are valuable lessons. Yeah, I'm sure. Thanks if you for. Asked, yeah, I'm Thanks sure for yes. sharing those.
1: Of course, of course. I'm sure if you ask other divers, they could think of some. But that's just mine. You know, that's what I've really learned from it.
0: Well, it's just like real life. We all learn different lessons from our experiences. Of course. That's uh.
1: Yeah, like that one he from the Christmas story. He learned those like poles. I haven't learned that story yet. I mean,
0: I've watched the story. But, you know, Arkansas Anyways. didn't uh, didn't give you too many opportunities to lick a frozen no, pole, huh? No, I didn't
1: get that one. Nope.
0: Well, you might have that if you stick around Idaho long enough.
1: Uh, I've seen Christmas stories, so I don't think I'll lick any poles.
0: <laughs> you can learn from others' mistakes, too, yes. right? <laughs> that's why it's good to have a scuba instructor, I imagine. Yes, yes, exactly. You don't yes. need to go and kill yourself to try to figure out what not to do. And
1: it can go from, like scuba diving can go from fun to deadly really quick, but that's if you're not, like, careful. I have been taught enough to understand my boundaries of how deep I can go and like what uh, limits I have. And that, okay, your limits change with how much education you have in scuba diving. So, like, um, my certificates in scuba diving, I have open water, I have um, dry suit. No, sorry. Well, I mean, I do have dry suit. I have, um, oh, if I could remember the name of it, I would. Um, Equipment (laughs) specialist and advanced. And so, with open water, that's the first one you'd get. And um, dry suit, that's just so you know how to use a dry suit correctly. And um, uh, equipment specialist is like the equipment I'd use. Like uh, if I wanted to clean my regulator, I know how to do that. Like I can take it apart and put it back together. Whereas if I showed an open water person how to do it, like if I gave my regulator to an open water you know, person, they'd just look at it like, uh, I breathe from this. And that's all they would know. Right. And so... Um, I can take it apart. And then advanced is, um, I'm more advanced. So at open water, your depth limit is 60 feet. With advanced, my depth limit is 130 feet. So the more you know,
0: the deeper you can go.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: I I just made a rhyme.
1: So your limits do change with the experience you have. And it's mainly, not necessarily experience, but the um, certificates you have. And so the reason you can go they don't let you go 130 feet deep at a beginner level, is because pressure change is totally different at those levels. Hmm. The most challenging thing about scuba diving, um are the equipment was trying to condense enough air to fit in our tanks or right.
0: cylinders. The words are interchangeable. So you can go down for more than 30 seconds at a time?
1: Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um so... That's what the most challenging thing about the equipment was, but the most challenging the most challenging thing about scuba diving to the scuba diver is getting the certifications. Gotcha. So, like, you have to um, take a test. Like you, well, you have to do study, studying, take a test, and then you have to go do some dives. Like with my open water, I had to, um, we did some classwork and a test, and then we went to a pool and, like, looked at our gear and stuff like that. And then we had we did do we did two lake dives where we practiced some stuff. I don't remember what they were. So I do remember in my advanced uh, certificate, like getting my certificate for, certificate for advanced, we had to do. Um, so we had to do some homework as well, and then we had to do f- five dives. One was okay. So we had to have at least twenty dives recorded. And um, like we have a dive book of like when we record all our dives and stuff like that. And so we had to have at least 20. And so then we went on five dives. And mine, like we have a list of what we had to, we could pick from. And the two mandatory dives were a deep dive, which was we have to go more than 60 feet. Okay. And then we had to do a um, navigations. So that's like um, we had to use our compass and do underwater navigation and stuff like that. Cool and so the other three I picked were search and rescue or search and recovery, whichever they, they're, they're, they're kind of interchangeable as well. Um, so search and recovery, your rescue search or no search and recovery and rescue, um, night dive, wreck diving. Yes. Like with wreck dive, they have, uh, I brought this up earlier is that there was, uh, a houseboat. And it's got three different levels. Sure. So we do like a simulated wreck dive, and it's like wreck
0: for like recreational.
1: No Is wreck, like um, shipwreck.
0: Oh, wreck. W R E. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. I apologize said that. Yeah. No, that's fine. I was just wasn't sure.
1: Yeah. So um, we do a simulated wreck dive where we swim to this little boat, and it's like you can see right to the other side. It's like like if someone put um, uh, like a thing over the pool. And you had to just dive under it. it. That's pretty much what it was like. It's not like a big major shipwreck. It was like you weren't going to get lost inside it. Sure. Another challenging thing is, um, this is something you have to plan for, I mean, and it's emergencies. And you really can't right. plan for emergencies, and you don't really want to like have an emergency. So you do want to
0: be prepared for one. Yes,
1: that's, yeah. And so I had this one time happen. I was in a lake in Arkansas, and it was at this scuba park that I keep bringing up, right? And so these, every um, little thing you can see, like the boats and uh, cars and stuff, are connected by ropes, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was diving with a buddy, and um, we got lost just for a split second. Like, I looked the other way, and he, and I looked back, and he was gone.
0: And it's too dark to see, probably. Well,
1: point, it was... Very um, far. So the main thing is that, um, depending on where you are, like... So where I was, I, I was at towards the bottom of the boat, and um, he was on the other side... Oh, like towards the top and like how you find people is by their bubbles because I couldn't see his bubbles I couldn't see where he was so I was looking around and I was swimming around turns out he knew exactly where I was but I had no clue where he was and that's just like that's that's another challenging thing is lack of um, communication underwater but anyways that's not the main one I was gonna talk about is um so emergencies is I was sw- sitting there swimming around that boat and I just completely missed him and then as one time I was coming around I my tank got snagged on one of the ropes Oh. And so I'm sitting there like hung up and I like with this gear on, you can't reach back and unhook yourself. And I wasn't going to take my dive knife and start stabbing around back at important hoses and you know, my neck. No, so I'm not do no that. that's
0: not a good plan.
1: <laughs> and so I had to um, do, I had to take my gear off mid water. Like, well, and like, I, like I couldn't touch the bottom and I couldn't reach the top. So I'm sitting there yeah. um, in the open water and I'm just carefully taking the stuff off and then unhooking myself. And then I put my gear back on. And what's funny is that they don't teach you how to take your gear off until many, like way past um, the advanced level. And so I was doing something that like, I had no clue if I was doing right. All I knew is that if I let go of this BC, I'm going to go up, it's going to go down and my air is going to go with it. And so I have to float back to the top with no air. And so I was cleaning that thing for dear life. And so you just have to and that yeah. comes back to the keep breathing it's because like you just want to keep open-minded or not open-minded um, you keep breathing so you don't you don't get tunnel vision and you just start freaking out because that's bad
0: oh yeah I'm, so, I can imagine oh yeah freak out's not not good when you're in a situation yeah. like that
1: and so <laughs> anyways I got untangled and I put my gear back on we found each other and we continued the dive all right and so
0: that's why you're here talking to us today yes <laughs> I didn't die so what, what advice do you have to somebody who wants to get started scuba diving? What, what are the steps that they need to take to, to get into something like that? Well,
1: well so um, claustrophobia is a big one. Um, so some people can be claustrophobic and um, dive. So when we reason, did that
0: uh, dive at Vineyard Lake that you referred to, that yes. was a problem that a few of the divers that went yeah. down with you And even had. I,
1: had, I had a moment of claustrophobia because that water was so cold. I got um, tunnel vision. And it was like, okay, huh. everything's closing in because it's freezing cold. And, like, I'm shivering. And then it just it, – that could have gone bad. But I just had to, like, take a moment and be like, all right, it's just water. I can get out. We're good. And there's some masks that, like, have a big open view. And, like, it doesn't help – or doesn't bother claustrophobic, claustrophobic people as much. But, like, if you have the ones that are very constricting and don't have much – um line of sight you that makes sense. It, it can get It's like putting blenders on yeah it it really is cuz like that's just um how some of them are made and how like the design is and yeah and um and some people just like some claustrophobic, claustrophobic people can't do it and it's just like it's not necessarily it's just like that they don't want to it's just like their claustrophobia won't let them but anyways if you can get over the claustrophobic stuff it's totally worth it but I do, when I do say worth it, it is expensive. Like, I don't know how much it costs in different places, but in Arkansas, it costs $400 just to get to open water. So it is expensive even after you get your certificates. is um, So they had a deal going for, it was $1,000 for a wetsuit, a BCD, my regulators, and dive computer. And um, that so renting it, it's $100 each time you go, um, diving. And so if you were just yeah, that, to just go out... that that up real quick, won't Yeah, it? <laughs> yes, it does. And so if you were just diving, you know, once a month, um, even, or less than that, I mean, I'd probably just stick to rent and stuff. Sure. But me and my mom were going to every week to every other week. And so it's like, if we get, you know, if we do $1,000 right now to get everything, except the tank, of course, that's just, um, you know, $50 a tank. And your gear for... Your gear is paid for.
0: And so you have to go, I'm guessing, to a scuba shop, which will know the mix that you need in the tank. Yes. Have the right amount of nitrogen, you said, and and oxygen.
1: And, um, yeah, and then most shops... So they will all get inspected, and they make sure you get the right air and the right stuff. But something is you have to worry about is if you go out of country, like um, to Cosmo or something like that. Sure. And, like, because sometimes you'll find people... Oh, my cousin has a, um, my cousin's a mechanic. He has an air compressor to fill up tires or whatever. It's like, I can fill up tanks with that. But uh, the thing is, is that that air compressor doesn't have a filter for, you know, exhaust. Um, it doesn't give uh, you pure air. It'll give you like sense. exhaust fumes from the mechanic shop. Whatever It'll you're smelling
0: you... outside when you walk yeah. outside.
1: <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> sure. something, a little just side tip for if there's any scuba divers listening. Is if um, if you open if you crack your air and smell it if you can smell anything it's bad air. Huh. If what you want is a um, like you don't want your air to smell like anything. Well, I say pure air as in nitrogen and um, oxygen. It doesn't have any smells. Like it does not okay. give off any smell. That's why most scuba diving shops will be inspected. Will they get their gear or their uh, air inspected to make sure they're giving out the right air? Sure, makes sense. Yeah.
0: I think most people have had the experience where if you're going, you know, driving up a mountain pass or something, you feel your ears, you know, the pressure changes on your ears and you feel your ears popping. How does that relate to to scuba diving? Because we're talking about pressure and it increases as you go down. How is that comparable to what we experience in the air?
1: So you, as you, like, it's kind of funny that you mentioned um, going up, your ears will pop. As we go down, our ears, so there are, people think of air in our bodies, they think of just the lungs. Mm -hmm. But... You have all your sinuses, and there's air in your eardrums. Oh, so yeah. as we start going down, we'll get pinches in our sinuses. And our sinus um, our sinus cavities are on the uh, forehead and then behind the cheeks, or behind the cheekbones, and our nose, and then they connect to our ears. And so as we start going down, we'll get pinches. And okay. to equalize that, we would... Some of us can just swallow and pop our ears. Yep. And some have to chew um, gum
0: or whatever. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> can't we chew gum underwater because um, <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't work. <laughs> if you can do that, you can do that. But um, but we what we what some do is they hold your you hold your nose and breathe out your nose. Which I mean you're holding your nose, but like that um, the air you're pressing out into your nose that would be going out your nose, but since you're holding it, it goes through your sinuses and equalizes everything, and that's what's it's called it's called equal- okay. equalizing. And your ears, and your ears will sometimes pop. So, and you have to be careful not to blow too hard, because if you blow hard enough, you will blow your eardrums out, which and, would not be good. No, it's not good. I'm sure if I dropped, you know, significantly, quickly, like like quickly descended, I'm sure I, my lungs w- would feel it. Sure. But um, going slowly and safely, I couldn't feel nothing.
0: Um, so. And that's probably, in like in in our everyday experience with with mountain passes. If we're in a car, we're gonna feel it. But if we're walking up the mountain pass, we won't. Right. Because no. it happens more gradually. Yeah, yeah. And we had a lot of breaths in between. Right. Everything's equalizing. Mm-hmm. Makes that's, sense.
1: That's the keep breathing thing again. Um, so so the buoyancy compensator it helps us um, compensate for buoyancy, like the name it's uh, like the name says. And so um, you know, increasing the air in the. It's it's a bladder pretty
0: much. Okay. It's,
1: um, so we increase the air in the bladder to help us float. And, and we... instead
0: of urine, it's got uh, air. <laughs> it's <Yes>. got air. <laughs> it's uh, it's a good bladder. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and so we put air into it to float, and we take air out of it to sink. And uh, now, if we just had the, um, if we didn't have any weights, we so we need, scuba divers need weight to sink, because if we didn't, we would just be floating with our lungs. And so,
0: just stay at the top of the water the yeah, whole time. Yeah, you could
1: have all the gear you wanted, and you'd just be sitting there. So we need um, weights to help us carry or to help us down. So I was talking about a pirate ship, well, a sailboat dressed as a pirate ship earlier, called the Mayhem. Right. Anyways, at Mayhem, it sits at um, 60 feet deep. At 60 feet, I uh, with I barely have any air in my BC. I'm hanging out. You know, I can I'm controlling my Lungs are controlling how, like, if I want to go up or down, you know. And so, once I hit that 66 feet mark, that little air... So, I guess this is now a good time to bring up atmospheres. So, at yeah. sea level, we're at one atmosphere. And and that's
0: the pressure. Yes. We call it one atmosphere.
1: Yes. And so, at um, 10 meters or 33 feet, you hit two atmospheres.
0: So, it's like having two... Two atmospheres of pressure on, on so, you for like, twice as much what as we're you normally would. are right
1: now, well, obviously with height, it changes. At sea
0: level, we would assume, right? <laughs> so if
1: you're at sea level, uh-huh. and if you went down to 33 feet, we'd be feeling two pressures of what we would at sea level.
0: Okay. If that makes sense. Sure.
1: And so for every 33 feet,
0: you add an atmosphere. So in other words, 33 feet of water has the same pressure as... Oh gosh, what is it like a hundred thousand feet of, of atmosphere? Yeah, or, you know, or yeah, however many miles it is actually, yeah. of, of yeah. air pressure on us. So, so um, water is definitely more dense than than air. Uh, a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little,
1: just a, <laughs> a just lot. little bit, yeah. Um, so anyways, I was hitting just at that sixty-six feet mark, which was three
0: atmospheres, and so because the pressure of the regular atmosphere is on top of the water already, yeah. Right? So and then
1: I, that okay. thirty-three feet Makes sense. is added. And yeah, and so I was at three atmospheres then, and that little amount, like, I mean a puff of air, which is in my BC, and once I hit that 66 feet mark, that um, air, that little minuscule amount, condensed even more, and I just started sinking. Luckily, I was like five feet above the floor, like the bottom, and I just sunk into (laughs) it. It's like, okay, we'll stop. Yeah. (laughs) A little side note. All right, so, not necessarily a side note, but like the main funny part of that story is so at towards um shallower water you can just like put your finger on a rock and like push yourself up and you're fine sure but at 70 feet where not many people are going i go to you know just finger touch the bottom and hop back up but instead of just hopping back up my arm goes deep i mean like elbow or not elbow shoulder deep into muck
0: oh no and
1: so it was funny because. Stuck um, in the mud
0: underwater. Yeah.
1: Well, I didn't necessarily get stuck. I kind of just got myself out. And we were going, and it was that we ended the dive, and um, we were comparing dives. Huh. And like the guys I was diving with, they went to 70 feet, and I went to 75. And they go, yeah, because you were halfway in the mud. And I was like, okay, good point. <laughs> it was kind of funny. We had a good laugh about that. <laughs> but uh, so that's my experience with PrevShut Devs is that. Um, you know, that, that, that just a little air condensing just a little bit made me sink.
0: I've heard that when you're in salt water, and I haven't had the experience of swimming in salt water, but in salt water, they say it, it's easier to swim because you're more buoyant. The salt water is, is more dense. So, does it matter what you're in? Is it is um, like the pressure variation different for salt water than for regular water?
1: What you've been told is exactly right. If you're swimming in salt water, the salt in the water makes it more dense than fresh water. And so, it's easier for us to float. So, with salt water, we need more weight to sink. And so, yes, the water content does matter.
0: Okay. And so. So, you probably get to one atmosphere or, or two atmospheres of pressure a little quicker, depending on what you're in.
1: So, I was talking to a dive instructor up here in Idaho, and where we dive at, or well, where he dove at, is about 5,000 feet. You know, it's 4,700 and something. And so, he said, You'll feel that you will fill that second atmosphere at 26 feet deep instead of 33. And so water content changes the uh, depth, like how much pressure you're feeling and how high you are altitude wise changes. Sure. That's pretty much how that's, you know, water content and height. That's pretty much how that changes
0: in everyday life. What, what role does this, pr- you know, we talked about pressure at depth and, and uh, pressure in the atmosphere. What role does that play in our everyday life?
1: So, like, and you've talked about this on your podcast before on the episode um, uh, Nothing Sucks.
0: Oh, yeah. And um, I still get people calling me about that saying I'm not sure I believe that. But, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sad, but, I
1: mean, it makes sense to me. Anyways, so um, so in the, uh, in the episode Nothing Sucks... You talk about higher pressure wants to go to lower
0: pressure. Yep. I believe. I've, it's been a couple. weeks. Yeah, high pressure wants to go to the low pressure spot. Yeah, It'll fill true. it up.
1: So our lungs, when we breathe out, our lungs are now low pressure. And so if we didn't have pressure, once we breathed out, there's no, you're, you're screwed. So <laughs> like there's no, there's no, no higher pressure to push back into your lungs. Like we don't breathe in. Like we just hope that um, the high pressure goes to fill our lungs, and then we just you know that's how we breathe.
0: Right. And so diaphragm so, wouldn't do us much good without that, would it? It'd <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> be a problem.
1: Um, you know, it's going to be my turn to ask a question because I don't know much about it. That's what good. areas of human life are most affected
0: by pressure? No air pressure, no sound. If the air oh, I didn't just that. if the air just disperses it as far as it wants to, like it does in space. I mean, there is air in space. It just spreads out as far as it can. Yeah. And gravity brings it all down and compresses it to where it's easy for us to breathe. Right. And where we can talk to each other because, you know, my voice is being carried through the air. And as it changes pressure, the way my voice carries or the way my voice transfers changes as well. If you're on a mountaintop, like, say, we climb up Mount Everest together, me talking to you is a harder job.
1: Yeah. Because there's there's less air to talk to. Yeah.
0: So, and actually the speed of sound will change, too. Very cool. So all right. Well, Jordan, thank you for taking some time today to talk to us about about scuba diving and, and some of the stuff that you love and Well of course. Just appreciate you taking the time to be here.
1: I don't get very often I don't get very many chances to talk about, it, so it's good to talk about it.
0: Thank you for joining us here at Religions today. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Jordan Thompson. I know I learned a whole lot, and I hope that you did too. I really appreciate having people that I know that uh, have tried things that I haven't that I can learn from. And Jordan is definitely one of those. And one of those, one of these days, I am going to go scuba diving. I want to know if I'm one of those that's going to be claustrophobic as I get under the water. I don't know. I'm not too prone to it in caves. And I've been in attic spaces with insulation up to my nose and in pretty tight spots. And that gets a little panicky sometimes, but I think I, I think I will do all right. I guess I'll when I do that, I will let you know how it goes. But I want to learn for myself a little bit about how that works. Thanks again for joining us here at Religions. I hope to re- be uh, recording more episodes soon. I have a lot of ideas and a lot of them written down already. I just, well, there's been a lot of life changes lately, a new job and, and other things that have happened. So I've been very, very busy and. Uh, And I haven't had enough time to really sit down and think, oh, I want to do that recording without feeling, oh, I've got too many other things to do. So um, hopefully I'll have some more time available here in the not-too-distant future. But thanks again for for listening, and we'll talk to you next time here at Religions. To learn more about Religions and to get the show notes, please visit religions.org.